What's happening, people? This is your host, T-Rav. I'm back after a brief hiatus. And today I'm going to extend off of what I talked about in the last episode, the environment. However, this time, I'm going to focus on, or drill down in on, how much waste we generate. I'll also have a special guest joining me to talk about the zero-waste movement and how the odds are stacked against people here in the United States who want to change their lifestyles to become more sustainable. start off by saying sorry for how long that it has taken me to put up another episode. Us engineers sometimes have to deal with things called turnarounds, which absolutely consume your entire life for months at a time. But, I digress, I want to start off the episode by sharing some of the history behind recycling here in the United States. For decades, the United States and other countries have relied on China to buy and reprocess a good majority of our plastic waste. However, recently, stricter environmental regulations passed in China have meant that it is now cheaper for waste management companies to send plastic to a landfill than to pay a higher fee to process them. And that last fact is something that I'm sure would surprise a lot of people, especially people like me who try to make a concerted effort to recycle everything that they can. If we take a look back, during World War II, Americans were encouraged to recycle things in order to help provide materials for the war effort. But once the war ended, large landfills quickly became the norm until about the early 1970s. And when I stopped to think about it, I remember my grandpa telling me stories about how him and his family survived during the Great Depression, standing in soup lines and stuff like that. And then during the war, having to do things like grow your own vegetables, something they called planting a victory garden, quote-unquote, and then also participating in things called salvage drives, which were mainly organized by the government, and they would literally take old animal fat and old scrap metal so that it could be used to help the war effort. So animal fat was literally used to make bombs, and then the metal was going into helping making tanks and other equipment. And I think having to live through this time period and participate in these things where you were salvaging a lot of stuff really instilled in my grandfather the need to constantly recycle things. So from when I was very little to until my grandfather passed away, he would always recycle paper, plastic, metal, anything that he could. So I did say that after World War II, landfills became very popular. Well, until about the late 1980s is when that tide started to reverse. So the state of New Jersey passed the country's first mandatory recycling law. Then there's actually some statistics around the same period that this law was enacted that show that the percent of materials recycled and composted here in the U.S. was about 16% in 1990. Over the years, this increased to about 35% in 2015. However, today, most of our recyclables end up going to a landfill due to private companies that cities pay to take care of waste being in sort of a conflict of interest. And what do I mean by that? So, not all cities take care of their own trash and recycling programs. Sometimes cities or municipalities contract it out and hire public companies or really private companies that are publicly traded 
to step in and take care of waste management and both getting rid of trash and then also recycling. These private companies like Waste Management or Republic are trying to make a profit by disposing of our waste or recycling. Since they are publicly traded companies, the shareholders want a return, so they need to try and make as much money as possible. Which is an issue if you were to run into a scenario where the cost of reprocessing recyclables is way more expensive than the cost to just simply put it in a landfill. And often that's really what ends up happening. But it really wasn't until the last couple of years where this became an issue. By that I mean taking recyclables and putting them in a landfill. So, as I said at the very beginning, the United States and other countries relied on China to get rid of our recyclables. And that started around the year 2000, when China's economy was growing rapidly, and they really didn't care so much about the quality of the recyclables that we were sending them, so much as the quantity. Because of how quickly their economy was growing, they needed materials to feed that massive growth. Which is fine if they were actually taking all of that stuff, all of those recyclables, and actually using them all. But the problem is, is that we, meaning the United States, was sending them recycled material that was contaminated with, uh, let's just say you tried to recycle a ketchup bottle but didn't rinse out all the ketchup, or something along those lines, where it was contaminated when we sent it to them, and they get it, and they have nothing to do with it. So they ended up actually just throwing it away themselves. And a lot of this plastic, surprise, surprise, ended up going into the oceans, going through the Chinese rivers and streams, and going out into the ocean, and contributing to the Great Pacific garbage patch that people have heard so much about recently. And what's really interesting is that here in the United States, recycling programs used to have dual or multi-stream recycling programs. And what I mean by that is today in a lot of bigger cities, I'm sure a lot of people know all this already, that you can just put all of your recyclables into one bin. So all of your metal, your glass, paper, plastic, all into one thing. And what ended up happening after we switched to a single stream for recycling was that the, and it was no surprise, the quality of the recyclables started to decrease. So there was more contamination from bottles and cans and other recyclables that weren't rinsed out or were dirty or food contaminated, which degraded the overall quality. Which wasn't a big deal at the time because China was worried about the sheer quantity of the materials or the recyclables being sent to them and not the quality. So waste management companies here in the United States were able to get away with the fact that, yes, overall, the quality of the recyclables that they were taking in was degraded, but at the same time, they were still making money because China was buying it. Which was all well and good until around 2018, when China enacted what it called its National Sword Policy, in which the country increased the quality standards for recycled material brought in from the United States. China set the contamination rate at about 0.5%, which most waste management companies were unable to deal with because their technology was from the 20th century. They hadn't made any investments in their technology to update it throughout the years because China had very lax laws on the contamination rate of some of the recyclables that we were sending to them. So I guess I can't really blame them from the standpoint of looking at a bottom line. Why would you put more money into something if it doesn't need to be? But unfortunately, that set it up for a perfect storm where 
now that the national sword policy is in place, they have to spend a whole bunch of money, or they would have to spend a whole bunch of money to update all of their sorting technology to properly sort out all the recyclables from the single stream system that we currently use. When this national sword policy was enacted, the amount of plastic and other recyclables that the U.S. sends to China fell dramatically. The International Trade Commission reported that the amount of plastic scrap exported to China went from just over 280,000 metric tons to just under 22,000 metric tons, which is a decrease of about 92%. And that's looking at the period of January through April in 2017 compared to January through April in 2018. Some other Asian countries, most notably India, Thailand, and Malaysia, took the brunt of the recyclables that now China would not take. But even these countries have lately started to push back due to the amount of contaminated material that's now building up in these countries into giant mounds of trash. I think initially, China enacting the national sword policy was probably received as a very negative thing, since now we had a whole bunch of material here in the United States that we now couldn't send out to someone else and we couldn't make money off of it. However, it may actually be a blessing in disguise when you really think about it, because waste management companies here in the United States now are being forced to make the investments in their recycling and sorting technology to decrease the amount of contamination. And this point actually kind of leads into some of the good news that's happening here in the United States. So San Francisco is leading the country in trying to become zero waste. Currently, they are diverting about 80% of waste from landfills. And they do this by working with a company called Recology. And Recology defines zero waste as anything that is diverted from both going to the landfill and then also being incinerated. I would like to bring it all together by talking about the three P's and the three R's. The three P's being profit, people, and planet, and the three R's being reduce, reuse, and recycle. It's no secret that nowadays companies focus, I think, too much on one of the P's, and that being profit, and I understand why, but really not also focusing enough on the other two P's, that being people and planet. Which is interesting that we as consumers, or people in general, I think are focusing on too much of one of the R's, and that being recycling. We're relying too much on recycling to take care of most of the waste that we end up generating, when I think we should be focusing more on the other two R's, that being reduce and reuse. By reducing the amount of waste we generate and reusing something in place of buying new, this lessens the burden on the recycling systems currently in place. It even helps us all save money in the process. And who doesn't like saving money? Alright, I want to bring on my special guest. I didn't think I was going to be able to book her last minute, but it ended up working out. She's a northerner at heart, but is currently south of the Mason-Dixon line a dog mom of two, a future nurse, and my mother's other child, it's Taylor Brayer. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Good. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. No problem. Well, let's get right into it. So first question is, when would you say that you started to care about or really focus on trying to reduce your plastic and your waste in general? Probably around two years ago. I mean, I know I would try to recycle here and there but never really did 
real great with it, kind of just hit and miss. It, it would pile up forever before I'd be able to take it, that kind of thing. Um, it's a lot more convenient when you have it come to your house to get picked up. But Correct. I still struggle with the reducing waste portion. I'm really good about making sure I recycle it, try to clean it out, rinse it out, dry it out, whatever needs to be done, drop off bags, at drop off centers, you know, what, as much as I can. But it's still difficult to um, totally eliminate some waste. You know? Right. Especially if you're busy day to day, right? Yeah. It's not exactly everyone's top priority, and I totally understand yeah. that. No, I think that's where most of the problems lie. It's not a convenient thing for people to do. I mean, like here, at least our city collects recycling. It's not any extra charge for garbage pickup as recycling pickup. But yeah. it's it's at least that makes it easier. But if they're in a small area like I, you know, and when I was in Ohio, you know, it was right like back you got in the garbage. Ohio Valley. Yeah, yeah. It's like you got garbage pickup, but you didn't really get recycling. And then you have to find where you can drop it off, what kind of items that you can drop off there. Right. And then the items that you can't, you have to find somewhere else to it's do it. It's a lot of effort. Extremely, yeah. It's, it's, it's most people, if it's that much effort, they won't, they won't contribute. That's correct. And yeah, and I would say also being in the Ohio Valley that it was very tough or it was, you had to travel. You had to really be gung ho about recycling to do it, mm-hmm. right? Because right. for us living out in the middle of uh, BFE, mm-hmm. trying to get our recycling to somewhere meant driving probably 20 minutes, 15 right. to 20 minutes just to drop it off. Right. Which, it's uh, almost the, the analogy of like the Goodwill stuff you leave in your car to drop off the next time you're out and about. That is essentially what happens with your recycling. Right. Like, except oh, that it you piles know, up a lot quicker. Right, exactly. You know, you drive around town, you have bags and bags of plastic bottles and right. and newspapers, whatever it may be, but and just just sitting is it's like either you forget to do it or, you know, you don't go near the drop off area you need to and it can become like a a mess pretty quickly. Correct. It almost makes you look like a hoarder, right? Which is exactly. where you say yeah. Which is nice that you it, so thinking from busy person standpoint, it's nice to have one bin where you can just throw all your stuff in. Kind of like I right. mentioned in the monologue, though. We've come from pre-sorting our stuff and waste management companies taking your paper. And, you know, they take different streams. They take your paper, they take your metal, they take your plastic, blah, 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 to now having one stream kind of influenced by how much stuff they were sending over to China. Uh, it's, you know, we're used to it. We're used to this convenience. Right. It's the same thing with, like, you know, deodorant. You know, they didn't used to have it back in the 1600s. And people got used to it, and for a good reason, and we don't want to go back from that, right? It's exactly. not exactly apples to apples, but something similar, where you're used to something that's very convenient, and if you don't have a lot of time in your daily schedule, I doubt you want to go from the ease of just throwing everything into one bin to having to, like, okay, wait, okay, I, okay, I can put this in this bin, this in this bin, okay, wait, do I have to separate out my cardboard from my just, like, junk mail? Like, what do I have to do? So I understand that totally. And that's what, at least from my standpoint, made me want to kind of look further into this is kind of like, in my current apartment or condo, duplex, whatever, they used to take single stream, like you were talking about. And then, for some reason... They, it's too difficult to get down my road. It's really not. But they, <laughs> they did away with, so my landlords were like, okay, we're not doing recycling anymore. So I'm like, okay, I still want to recycle though. So I went to the local recycling center here in Midland where you do have to pre-sort everything mm-hmm. before you take it there. And then you get it there and I'm like, oh, okay. I'm seeing like, you know, I'm putting the stuff in bins, but I'm like, I wonder where it's actually going. Right. And that's what led me yeah. to wanting to look into 
okay, where's our stuff going? And I'm like, okay, wait a second. It's going to China. Okay. All right. And I'm, okay. But are they, what are they doing with it? Some of the stuff we're sending them is contaminated and they're taking it just because they, their economy is growing so massively. They just need raw materials as quickly as possible. And right. most of the stuff that, uh, which really floored me, most of the stuff that recycling stuff that we're sending them because it's contaminated, they can't use it either. So they end up just landfilling it or, anyway. or right. Yeah. They end up doing that anyway, or a lot of people probably don't want to admit this, but they end up throwing it in rivers and streams and it ends up going into the yes. ocean anyways, which contributes to the global uh, or the great Pacific garbage, garbage patch, patch. Yeah. right? So it's like, oh, holy crap. And now my brain, you know, from digging that extra little, trying to chip away at the extra layers, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really a bigger issue than I think a lot of people know about. Yeah, exactly. That's what I think. I mean, you hear... Well, even now I'm like, okay, I feel good. I, I'm saving all these, this plastic glass, you know, whatever plastics, uh, and, and putting it in my bin or taking it. But like you hear, it gets either there's some type of contamination with it. We ship it off somewhere. They can't use it anyways. And it gets scrapped anyways. So that's why I think a lot of people don't realize it's just getting put in the garbage pitch anyway. Right. So that all this extra work you're doing, you know, going in the garbage pile anyway. So it's like all the extra work you're doing to sort and, and do whatever. It's like, it doesn't even matter anyways. Ends up in the same place right. with the same, you know, just garbage effect. It, you know, it goes there, ends up getting blown around, ends up in the side of the road, waterways, ocean. You name it. Garbage yes. patch eventually. Up, correct. Right. It'll all right. end up so, in some sort of water. It'll get into the rivers and streams and get yeah. to the ocean somehow. Yes. Right. And that aspect of it is the part that I had just recently realized. And it's making me, you know, go that step farther of, okay, I really, and just instead of just recycling, I really need to think about reducing waste and reusing as much as I can. Right. Because if you're recycling, it's not apparently anymore, it's not enough. No, it's not enough. Just from the sheer amount, I think, that people use. If people use less, kind of what you were just saying, if people reduce the amount of things they buy in plastic, or whatever type of like metal container, just in general, reducing across the board, I think recycling centers would have less of an issue with it. The problem is, is that they're just inundated with this stuff, right? That's everywhere. They, mm -hmm. It's an endless supply because of how much people, especially here in the United States, use every day, right? They're just, right. it piles up very, very quickly and gets hard to deal with. If right. you don't have that technology in place at these recycling centers to properly sort it out. And like you were saying, we citizens need to be better at, okay, don't just throw an old ketchup bottle into the recycling bin. Like just rinse it out. Like it takes two seconds. Like, and that's right. what a lot of people who are like, Oh, I don't have time to recycle. It's like, most of the stuff you can, it'll take two seconds. Just run it under the stream, under the water spigot, real quick. Rinse it out and throw it in there. It's like it's not a big deal, right? Anyways, but so I think I think you touched on a good point though. Of so talking about reducing and stuff like that. Maybe you've heard of the zero waste movement. Maybe you haven't. Yeah, it's becoming a well known thing very rapidly. It's something I just kind of find out found out about by doing some right. of this digging on where my recycling and trash is going to. So it's like the people are trying to go to the stores and they bring their own bags. They try to find stuff that's not in packaged in plastic or it doesn't have any packaging at all or it's more sustainable. That made me think about my normal shopping habits. So like, where do you typically shop? Where would you go? Okay. Well, pre-Southern move to Florida, okay. um, it would have been always Kroger or, you know, very rarely Walmart. Very rare. I mean, Dollar General every once in a while, but typically Kroger. 
It's just, you know, general run-of-the-mill chain grocery store. And you have fuel perks? Yes, absolutely. Can I get the fuel perks? And the sales. Pretty good sales, too. Okay. I do miss Kroger. But the problem with the zero-waste movement, at least in this side of the country, you, know, you said San Francisco is the um, this leading side, movement. This side meaning uh, the east uh, coast? Like the eastern side, yes. The eastern side, I guess. I'm not sure how far it has spread from San Francisco. Uh, but it's like you, you don't have any options. Plastic is your option. Like I don't know of anywhere that I've seen something that is either not packaged or you bring back the bottle to refill. I know I've read of some places that they give you a glass container it could be or whatever, some kind of container for like your shampoos, your body wash, things that are plastic containers you accumulate quickly. And yep. you just go to the store, you pay like a, almost like a Costco, you get like a, a surplus of the soap and you just can reuse, reuse, reuse. Once you've finished, then you go back and just keep refilling using your same container. And it gives you, I think, I don't know if there's like a perk to it, but we Is that need, at Costco? No, not at Costco. It's that oh. effect of in oh. bulk. Like you oh, just gotcha. get this big... Refill your big jar, whatever, of your soaps and then use it as needed um, until you're out and go refill and just keep really refilling so you're not every time buying a new bottle, Yep. Um, which is typically plastic. Um, and even glass, I mean, it's supposed to be better, but, I mean, you're still still creating waste. If we had options like that that were um, more accessible, I think that everyone would be a lot quicker to – obviously, it adds that convenience factor, but even here – in, in Florida, you know, military life, we do uh, the commissary a lot, similar to your Kroger or whatever. Right. Or it's like Walmart or Publix. Right. You know. And everything's packaged in plastic there too, and right? It's everything like... is still plastic. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I did find at Walmart was the, um, I've seen bars of so like shampoo. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of being in a bottle, it is like a metal tin. I mean, it comes still comes in like a cardboard box. Sure. But which is more sustainable than plastic? So I mean, right? I mean, I guess you can at least like up for that, I suppose. Burn it. I don't know. Um, I don't know if that's even a good, a good strategy or a beneficial one. But you know, then it comes in a metal tin, and you get the bar of soap. However, I was looking around the area, and there's no just plain bar. You know, that you can keep refilling your tin with. So then every time you're getting a new tin, tin, right? A metal tin. So it's like, you know, that's the closest I've found. And if they would do that, I mean, it adds the convenience factor. And I think people would be a lot more willing to do that if it was even an option. But as of right now, nowhere that I've seen near me has that choice for right. you. Right. And I, and if you're just looking at relativity here, if you have the option to buy something in metal versus plastic, theoretically that is better because things that are metal or glass could be recycled infinitely right. more times than plastic because right. plastic every time you recycle it it degrades slightly to a point where if you kept recycling it maybe you can only get two or three actual cycles out of it right before it's technically like okay it, we really do have to throw this away now because we can't recycle it anymore it's to that point right. whereas right. metal and and glass that you don't have that issue so I mean, exactly. right? It's it's a spectrum of, and, and that's how I see it. I've seen some videos and articles out there where these people are trying to do zero waste, and I think it's a great idea. It's Absolutely. awesome. It's a great idea, great conceptually, and it's something I am definitely trying to go towards now. However, it's a spectrum, right? And the odds are definitely stacked against people who want to try and do that, uh, just because like go. I I mean, this is something I really didn't notice too much before really looking into this and doing you know, an actual audit of 
my local grocery stores is just going in and just looking at how much stuff is packaged in plastic. And it'll like if it's something that it's like we're, we've just grown up with it our entire lives. It was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's plastic. Normal. You know, we can recycle it. It's no big deal. But then when you see like where your plastic's actually going to, it's like, oh, uh, shit, that's not good. And then, uh, oh, how much are we using every day? Oh, that's holy crap. And mm-hmm. then you go into these stores and it's like, oh my god, everything's in plastic. It's like, okay, does this does this head of lettuce really need to be in a in a plastic mm-hmm. bag? Right? right. And I'm like, oh my god. So it's really. It's like, on what side of the spectrum do you want to be? Do you want to be, like, more practical about it and really try to, like, inch your way along and just kind of reduce your plastic use, um, reduce what you buy? Maybe you buy vegetables that are, like, for vegetables, it's pretty easy because normally <coughs> at your at your local grocery store, you would, uh, you can find, like, vegetables that are not packaged in plastic. Oh, right. Always. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's a little bit easier. So it's like, what side do you want to be on? Do you want to be on like the more, okay, more practical approach? Or I've seen some people that are like, they, they do not have trash cans in their house or in their apartment. So most of the, the info I talk about in the monologue is from uh, a CNBC report. And this was also something reported on by NBC. This uh, girl who lives a zero waste lifestyle does not have a trash can in her apartment. She fits wow. all of her trash into a, uh, I believe it's a 16 ounce mason jar, and she's right, been able I think to I've fit. Seen this. Yeah, have you? Okay, yes. I think so. So I'm just sure it's. <coughs> excuse me, I'm sure it's all over the web by now. Yeah, so it, it's like, do you, which side of the spectrum do you want to be on? I mean, for some people, so if you if you and I were going up and talking to people and be like, hey, you know, it'd be good if we all could start reducing our waste, and then you say like, okay, but you have to get rid of all your, all your trash cans and you have to fit all of your trash into this mason jar. A lot of people are gonna be like uh fuck that i'm not doing that like Mm -hmm. mm, that's drastic for me so i love where the zero waste movement is coming from i'm a big supporter i think we all need to drive to that part of things but we also need to be cognizant of it is not an overnight change that we can make i wish that it could be but until some of these companies start choosing different options for packaging the odds are still stacked against us and if i'm being devil i don't know if it's devil's advocate but right trying to present the other argument of like you know people are trying to demonize plastics look at what they've done for for shelf life and food storage and stuff like that like yeah the head of lettuce shouldn't be inside of a plastic bag probably i think that's overkill or name your right there's cucumbers there's other stuff that are just in a plastic wrap or plastic film Mm -hmm. but i mean it extends the shelf life of something by like a week. So, I mean, right. that cucumber, like if you take the plastic off, it's probably not okay. A few days, maybe. Right. Especially if it's something organic, it's probably even less. Well, and with problems with fruit is if one starts to go bad, then it touches the other, touches the other. It all goes bad reaction. at once. Correct. Right. Right. So I understand that. And that's also an issue we have right now is food waste. We waste so Very much true. on food and, you know, just all that, that, you know, we also, it's, you know, it's beneficial in that area, but then, when it comes to plastics recycling, it can be hurtful. Correct. So where is your happy medium? Right, you know, exactly. What, what it's are... not, I don't have the answer to that. Oh, right. You don't have the answer to that. I, right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all, I think we all need to try and push that direction as far as we can and vote mm-hmm. with our wallets, essentially, right? If, if you learn about ethics or ethical theory, I think it's called Kantian ethics, where it's like, so if I think like, oh man, this is just, this is just too hard. I can't do it, but you know, somebody else will. Right. And that'll make the difference. But if everybody thinks that way, then nothing gets done. Right. So people just need to do what they can. And there's a right. there's actually a saying 
on uh, some uh, uh, one person on YouTube who makes these videos about zero waste and stuff like that. And she says, you can't do all the good that the world needs, but the world needs all the good that you can do. Right. If people think about it in that manner where it's like, okay, you know, maybe you can. And a lot of people, unfortunately, don't have the money to go zero waste because it's more, sometimes more expensive to buy the right. things that are not in plastic. Right. Right. So I get it. A lot of people can't do it. But where people can, I think every little bit makes a difference and can add up to that. Right. So right. Even if you cut out a, a bottle or two, you know, it may, you know, everybody's bottle or two still adds up. Right. So and I think that I touches think that, on. No, go ahead. What are you going to say? I just think in that regard, it helps. But there's also, I think what would be beneficial is, I mean, I haven't looked into it. It, it actually may exist already. But these people, so this girl that does the zero waste 16 ounce jar with her trash. What is her secret? What does she do? If she went and made like a, a, a list of these are the products I buy. This is how I get them. You know, this is what I do in, in place of this. This is what I use. If someone, have we had a guideline almost as to just where to start? Correct. You know, I think that would be beneficial. Like I said, it might already exist. I haven't really thought to look it up till now. But. So it does. It does exist. She actually, so in that same video, okay, she touches on some of the things that she does. It's not everything, but I mean, you name it. Like she is very much on that other side of the spectrum. Like I said, right. There are no trash cans in her apartment. So just, she makes her own toothpaste Oh, geez. out of coconut oil and baking soda. Is, okay. uh, I don't know the exact recipe, but she makes it out right. of that. She makes her own cleaning products based off of uh, white distilled vinegar. Mm-hmm. She's making all those things. And then on top of that, so that's just you know some of the auxiliary stuff. If we're talking about food, we're focusing on that. That's the one thing where a lot of people get screwed on in that, okay, I'm in Midland, Michigan, and I have Kroger, Meyer, Aldi, Walmart. Those are my options. None of them... I mean, sure, some of them have more sustainable forms of packaging, but there's plastic everywhere. And there's no right. there's no stores like the one she goes to where she's living in New York City. Uh, obviously okay, I was going to ask. Obviously a very liberal, left-leaning part of the country where you would expect these options to be, right? Like if you were living in San Francisco or New York City, you obviously have right. probably more options. So she goes – there are stores located there where there is minimal to no packaging. You go in and they have – uh, what they call bulk bins. So you bring your own packaging, right. you bring your own glass jar or whatever bag, and you just are like, okay, I need some pasta. Whatever. Boop. Okay, I have my pasta. I go up and I weigh it at the checkout counter, and then good to go. Some of these places right. have like their own olive oil, their own peanut butter. They go in and I'm like, boop, peanut butter, boop. Okay, got it. For those uh, yep. people who couldn't see me, that's uh, me lifting and that's lowering. The lever. Yeah, yeah, that's the <laughs> boop, boop, boop. That's the start and stop of the lever. Yeah, so getting back into it, you know, we don't have those options. I don't have those options. I don't know about you. You don't. Have, oh you God, know. no. Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. At least none that I know of. I, I mean, you know. think Jacksonville's a bigger area, but it's nothing. It's a bigger city than Midland. That's for sure. Right, that is for sure. But still, at least nothing that I've found, or nothing that's easily accessible or obvious to you know to choose from. Right. Some of it's like also maybe politics plays into right the account. Like okay, uh, Birmingham and Montgomery, Alabama are like pretty big cities. I think bigger than Midland, I would imagine. And, you know, probably probably double at least the size of Midland. And I'd have to imagine that people are just using plastic there because environment, I mean, no shock to anybody that Alabama's not, you know, probably the most left-leaning state and more environmental. So it also plays into where you're at. Right. So, and that's the thing where if you watch these videos, it's like, wow, I want to, you know, and, that's, and that was me. I want to get 
on this train. I want to be zero waste. And I'm like, oh, but you can go to the store that has bulk bins. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't have that. Uh, so let me go to Walmart and let me look at, oh, okay, everything's packaged in, in plastic. And you run into the whole, like, okay, if I tried to just do zero waste, I'd be eating effing, like, turnips and carrots and just, like, it's like, I can't make a meal out of that, right? Like, right. If, if you're trying to not buy anything in plastic, some of the stores you go to, all the spices are, like, in plastic. So it's like, everything. okay, I guess you're going to be plain Jane with, with everything. And right. What kind of right. life are you living at that point? So, right. I mean, even if you try it, because it's, like, back to making your own toothpaste, making your own cleaning supplies. I even talked about that just for the, the fact of chemical-free. It's, like, baking soda and, and vinegar. Right. And it's, There's that, you know, it's, it's healthier for you, right. too, to be touching. Right. It's supposed to be, you don't know what's in it. You know. But, but then it's like, okay, now I have this bottle of vinegar. Now I have this box of baking soda. You know, it's like there really is no easier way and then even if there is a place you can do maybe online i imagine you can get anything online so even if there is a way that i could order something that comes more sustainably packaged online then i'm throwing the money in for most likely shipping and handling you know different correct right it, ad- it adds up very quickly i've looked right. into and some of this still too coming into a, it's still coming to me probably at least in a cardboard box you know so if you're lucky right exactly or it's in one of those plastic something containers like maybe it's a plastic bag or something that it's being sent right. to you in because again depending on what you're getting plastic bags would help the if you're getting sh- food shipped to you you right. probably don't want it to be spoiled when it gets there right so it's like oh crap like it's it's so easy to fall down the rabbit hole of like oh well, i can okay well wait so they don't have bulk bins at at walmart but but i can buy it online and they have sustainable packaging but then it's like okay now I'm broke because I spent all my paycheck on uh, buying some effing oats. You know, like, right. I don't, it just adds, it's very difficult, right? So not to right. go down the rabbit hole ourselves talking about this right, endlessly. Right, right, but, right, right. but yeah, it's it's something that I am trying to go towards. Right. But it's just hard to get there, I think, just because the right. odds are stocked, stacked against us. Doesn't mean we shouldn't stop trying. Right. Bring right, an effort right. in. But again, people or have to realize it's pushing... not going to be easy. Pushing for like biodegradable packaging, even like I know some oh, like sure. some like chip companies will do that with their bags. There are a lot. I don't know about a lot. I know I've heard of the um, like brewing companies, you know, beer, or whatever. They do their six packs with biodegradable rings, so you're not killing off live, you know. Oh yep, yeah, the plastic uh, killing off animals, sea that, life, yep. and yep. Yeah, yep. and then they can actually eat it too. You know, yep. if, even right. if. That was the answer. So you Correct. make your packaging right, right. biodegradable. And, and, and that, exactly. That if you, so much And more biodegradable beneficial. plastic does exist. Right. And exactly. the problem is, is that, again, if the companies were to switch to this, if you're the first one, if you're the first one adopting anything, it's more expensive. Exactly. Right? If, if you're the first person to buy, uh, you know, a laptop when it came out. Well, just think about phones and cell phones and stuff. Like the first ones, relatively, were very expensive, right? So only rich people who can afford them or people, I should say, people who can afford them, like people who are rich, they're the people who drive that change. So people have to buy enough, right? And then it, then the cost right. goes down. Well, so same with and solar no, energy is that cor- way as well. Correct, right? Yeah, exactly. So like these companies, none of them, and, and I, if you're just looking at like your bottom line and trying to make money and again, focusing on, on the one, the P that they normally focus on, right? Profit. Right. It doesn't make sense to like yeah. double your your cost of something because then if you if you raise the price on something and your other competitors don't and they're still packaging in plastic, guess what? Majority of people are still going to buy the stuff that's packaged yep. in plastic because it's cheaper. Right. So they don't want to uh, take the cut themselves. Correct. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. I hope you do as well. I hope a lot of people still Absolutely. try and put some effort in. But let's change topics slightly. 
um, still related to waste and stuff like that. But, you know, we've talked about it a couple of times. It's come up. The garbage patch that's in the middle of the ocean and stuff that gets into the ocean. So it's something that I haven't really thought about so much myself on, like, whether I have witnessed this. Uh, so I, that's why I wanted to ask you, too. So we both have been scuba diving now for just under 10 years and kind of exclusively up until, I don't know what, till we, till we went to Honduras. It was kind of all in Cozumel, Mexico. Right. Right, right, which the reef there was a protected it's a national ocean, right, it's a national oceanic park, something like that along those lines. It's something that if I'm thinking back and if I can even think back to high school at this point, I don't know that I noticed anything. No, and that's what I think either. That's what you'd ask that and I'm from a trash perspective. Right, right, right. No, I don't think I think but with it being a national or protected whichever, a huge at the very least a huge tourist for you know, diving destination because it's got one of the greatest diving areas, reef systems in the world. Correct. So great water, whatever. Um, so I don't know that it's we're not seeing it or it's being cleaned up before we come through, kind yeah, of true. thing. Um, since there are you know dive guides down there multiple times a day, every single day. You know they I think probably do a great job with catching the stuff that they see, making sure people don't take things on the boat that can fly off. Right. Into the water. Because at the end of the day, um, they want people coming back there, right? To... Right, right. So, but who's to say what the rest of the diving scenes all across the world look like? It's true, and, and right, you're you're right. I'm sure there are some out there that are far worse than right than Cozumel, Honduras, some of these places we've been to where it, it's protected. Um, if right. You, if you're diving off the Keys in Florida, maybe that's not the case. Right. Yeah, you don't know. Right, you don't know. And I and I will say, like, I want to try and make sure that I'm just talking about like plastic and waste like that because obviously like i've been guilty of you know something not being strapped correctly to my my bcd and it and, like falls off the one the scuba probe the little right. metal prodi right that i was like i came up off the boat and i'm like where the fuck did that go I'm like oh shit yep. oh i i littered and you know that sucks so i'm trying to leave that stuff out of it so like dive gear yeah obviously right. shit's, shit's gonna end up down there so stuff's gonna fall off you every once in a while I want to try and leave that over here on the left side and then over on the right side, kind of really focus on plastics and waste. But actual I, garbage. Great, actual garbage. And I, I honestly don't believe that I have, have seen Right. Any. But what I will say, um, I don't know in that, at least in that situation, no. However, working in you know, Jacksonville, sure. I work in a hospital that is literally got a riverfront view of the Jack, uh, St. John's River. And every day there is some kind of garbage you see out in the river floating down stream all the time. You go to the beach. I mean, anybody that's gone on vacation at the beach, you always see some kind of trash up in the, up in the grasses or, you know, along the coast. There's always some kind of garbage, which you know is going to end up getting blown in. And it's true. Part of that is just from people not throwing shit away right. and just leaving it, leaving it on the beach. Lazy. Yeah, correct. Right. That's right. Americans Absolutely. being Americans. And, you know, there's always the, the good old cigarette buds in the sand kind Everywhere. of thing. Right. Too. So, yeah, okay, there's that part of it. But have you also noticed stuff washing up onto the shore, too? Have you right. seen that, too? Um, I don't know. I guess I, I mean, haven't It happens, that right? Much. Right. It's got to happen. But that, right. but it's still disheartening. Yeah, you have a exactly. riverfront view and you have trash floating down. Just garbage, yeah. Right. It's like there's just so much that ends up in the waterways. And then, you know, then there's even... Just along sides of roads, and it all leads somewhere. All it takes is the heavy rain. It goes down into the, you know, the ditch on the side of the road, something along those lines, and ends up washing its way somewhere yep. into some 
storm drain down to the, the river, down to the ocean. And obviously with the garbage patch that we have that is massive, it's a problem and it ends up in the water. Right. I One mean, it's ending up, and this is something I'm going to touch on in, in future episodes, but it's it's to the point where, like we said earlier, these sea creatures, most notably or what people talk about the most, right, is probably like turtles Turtle. getting their head um, yep. caught in uh, or their, yeah, yeah right getting caught in these like plastic rings and stuff like that but it's also the fact that what i touched on earlier this plastic kind of degrades and can it plastic's really good about chipping off and getting into tinier and tinier and tinier and tinier pieces yes and which fish ingest or see right if we're eating the fish then we're ingesting plastic too so it's something yeah. i think people should probably think well about i think before. people just need to have the general idea that what we use in our day-to-day lives, plastics, whatever, even um, I've read articles about medicines. Um, you know, we use them, we, whatever they somehow, they filter through our systems, go into whatever, end up going into runoff and streams, fish absorb them. And then we are then taking these fish and eating them. Correct. You know, if you're not careful about the way you're treating different, you know, like even the pesticides, like agent orange, that kind of stuff that ran off. That was a huge, big issue, which is a whole another episode. Work. But, but yeah. it's just, you need to be mindful just in general of, you know, kind of like you are what you eat kind of thing. What yep. we are using and producing ends up back in our environment. That's why there's a lot of, even, um, this is going to be like a really specific thing, but like glitter is used right. like as a microplastic. It doesn't break down. It ends up in water. It, you know, it's the same thing. It's, it's the just a concept. quicker process. Right. So there are some places that make like, biodegradable litter right. or you know it's supposed to be somehow environmentally friendly and probably therefore better for people to be using but we just need to be mindful of what we're using and how much and just remember that it's going somewhere right well and i think it's it you speak to a broader point that i uh i talked about in in the last episode where it's expanding your your bubble your black box that i is what I called it in the last episode right. where just kind of think through things, I guess. Like, okay, I think a lot of people suffer from I'm throwing it away in the trash and I don't physically see where the trash is going, but I know it's not in my house anymore, which is great. And so right. it's like, why do I care? Yeah, okay, whatever. The trash gets, still gets picked up. But then if you would just kind of take a, a step out, right? Right. Look a little bit beyond yourself. Expand your bubble or your sphere of awareness. And think about where is this going? And then if you actually probably looked at that, you might think a little bit differently or behave a little bit differently because of that, right. which I think is what right. you're getting at here. Exactly. Yeah. If you realize where your where where your waste is going, you know, a lot of people I don't think know. I don't think that they realize that it's it's not actually being recycled. You know, it's not actually one part, right? Another part, what you're just saying is realizing that, okay, yeah, this plastic can get into the oceans and get into some of the animals and creatures that we're eating. Exactly. So it's like, I don't know about you, but when I'm hungry, I don't go downstairs and be like, wow, what do I got here? Oh, I have uh, I have an empty plastic bottle. That looks appetizing. Let me just munch on that real quick. I don't, yeah, I don't, you know, maybe some people do whatever to each their own. America. Hope not. You, you have the freedom <laughs> to eat plastic bottles if you want. Whatever. But it's like, you, you, I think we really need to start thinking a little bit more and stop stop having such a narrow view of things. Absolutely. So that's a, a greater point. So 
Last question I really wanted to talk about, and something that we just recently did. We watched the Ice on Fire documentary. I believe that was through HBO. I think that's on HBO. Yes, yes, HBO. Narrated Mm -hmm. by Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Or people that don't understand my accent, Leonardo DiCaprio, who is a big environmentalist and very passionate about it, puts a lot of money behind it. So Ice on Fire, what shocked you the most from that documentary, if you can think, if you could pin it down to one thing, the whole documentary is supposed to make your eyes open, right? You're right, 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 right. By all of it. Right. If you had to pick one thing that you're like, wow, you know, I really didn't know anything about that at all. And that's scary that that's happening at this moment. Um, I think the parts that I didn't know about were some of the solutions that people had come up with to the problems because I, you know, it's, there's some obvious ones that they discuss without getting into it too much. The, you know, we obviously have carbon problems. Um, obviously, you know, we're, we're raising the, the global temperature up two degrees Celsius, which is however many, which is gases, right. gases right. And so therefore, you know, we're melting all of our glaciers, which have concentrated, you know, methane within them, them. from yeah, and prehistoric methane. And then that's being released and it is worse than carbon. And it's just this, so the methane gets released, it warms it even further, the melt, ice melts more, warms it even further. It's, you know, it's this continuous, dangerous cycle that we're going in. So that happening is just, you know, yeah, we emit carbon, but there's also methane. And it's not just coming from there. I know there was actually a younger kid a couple of years back had written a book about cows releasing, right. <laughs> you know, we are, we are eat consuming. It sounds I think I see where you're going with this. I think you're wanting to Um, say cow farts. I want to say cow manure, cow farts, cow gas, whatever you want to call it. We are consuming so much beef and needing to raise so many herds of cattle so that it's like, yeah, they fart. And it's like, okay, so this whole herd farts. And we are now releasing more methane into the the environment. And it is increasing, you know, because, okay, so one farmed herd of cattle times all of them across just the United States and what that does and how rapidly, you know, we're going through it. It's just that, that alone, you know, just reducing beef intake could potentially help with one, one instance. However, I'm sidetracking. No, it's okay. But I I, I guess actually thinking back, you know, they cover like the air, the land, the sea. One of the the bigger things was they, um, was it uh, Maine or New Jersey um, where the, the fishermen, was that going was through. Yeah, I thought it was Maine. Um, you know, it's like, why don't we utilize some of these things going on in the ocean that are edible, that actually absorb more carbon dioxide than the the plants we have in the ground? You know, I think it was kelp. He said that. It's, right. I it think that, so I think it was turning it into uh, using kelp to turn that into a food source. Right. I believe right. for they, animals. For animals, yes. Like there have been herds. I think it's the, feeding you know, they, the cattle off that. of kelp. Yeah, and it, it's it, it's so good for them. It's still okay. Even I think we could eat it, and they were using it for other purposes. But it's like I think the the shock is realizing that there are all these ways that we can utilize these solutions. It's like why aren't we doing this? You know, it's it's the same issue you talked about being the first person to do it, really getting the ball rolling. And then I think people who haven't looked into it. This is a great documentary because it's not overly complicated. It is broken down pretty easily. They explain terminology, and it really is, this is what's happening. Here are the experts in these research fields that are talking about, 
this is the problem we're having. This is what we're trying to do to fix it. And I think that's so important that people, I know another problem is that people don't have an interest. It's like, well, it's not personally affecting me right now. So they're not worried about it. Right. Which is, which is the problem is that if you wait till the point where it is affecting you, it's like, okay, I mean, yeah, technically true. If you're living in, uh, in Michigan where it's like still, we're having a pretty mild summer here. It's like global warming. What? If you're living in Paris and you're getting scorched to death right now, maybe you're thinking a little bit differently, you know? Right. Maybe that way. Yeah. And I agree. It's, and that's something that I think I wish people would think a little bit more about is like, okay, people who have kids right now, do you want to let it get to the point where we are scorching ourselves and we can't grow anything because of how, like we can't grow food because of how hot the planet is. Right. And, and then also we are all, is that a world? Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you're good. No, we're all condensed because we've melted all of our glaciers and now the sea level has ridden. Florida, Miami, Miami is flooded. The the coasts are all flooded. So we are all being forced to move to the center of the country all together where, you know, we're already have a high population and it's it's going to be immediately overpopulated. Then people are going to be starving to death because we can't grow the food to feed us all. Correct. And the initial thing that you said, is the thing that I was one of my biggest takeaways taking some classes on this and actually finding out about so right they talked about the methane that's trapped in these glaciers but they also talked some of the, about some of the methane that was trapped under the ocean floor right in these crystal right. structures that because there's so much right pressure and stuff it's packed down and it's cooler right because sunlight doesn't Lots get down that far and so that's one thing that I think really shocked me the most is that you know we're hearing from scientists that it was the UN climate report this past, I think it was last year, but they came out with, we have 10 years left really to do something before it's, we, we won't be able to do enough to stop the earth from warming to two degrees Celsius. And what really scares me is when you think about all this methane stuff, a lot of what they're talking about really is based on the assumption of stuff like happening business as usual. If we keep emitting carbon dioxide, methane from like industrial sources, like human produce, we're going to be, you know, we only have 10 years. What really scares me is that we don't, there's a lot that we don't know about. We don't know how much methane is trapped in glaciers. We don't know how much is trapped under the ocean floor. If the earth gets warm enough that these things where the methane is like actually not trapped anymore, where it is massively released into the environment, like you said, it's worse from a global warming perspective than carbon dioxide. It's actually 20 times worse. So when it gets into the environment, I think things get out of hand very, very quickly. And that's what scares right. me the most, where I think people just, if, like you were saying, if, if you have access to HBO, HBO does not support this podcast at all. So you know I'm not getting any money for saying this, neither is Taylor. But if you have access to HBO or if there's a pirated version out on YouTube, I will not judge you watch this documentary it's a very good watch very simple very informative and i think it'll open a lot of people's eyes yeah i think it's really important i mean i don't know how you push this for but people need to watch it the the things that need to go viral don't but this needs to be a, a number one viewed documentary because this is affecting us now and it's going to affect us. We're going to be the generation that is dealing with this. Correct. You know, I mean, we're going to have to be the ones that like really pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and get to work because we are going to be, you know, reaping the effects yeah. of all that we've done. And I think that it's, you know, like you said, it's scary. 
Like people don't care. I don't understand why people don't care. Right. You need to, you need to realize what you're doing, make a conscious decision. And it's not only about lowering emissions, it's finding ways to pull the carbon out of the environment. Yep. Exactly. Because we're at a point now where we, okay, yeah, lowering our emissions is just great, whatever, but we're still releasing it. We, um, we're almost at the point where we need to totally cut off emissions and also pull, pull it them out. out. Right. We need what? to go into the red, essentially, go negative with. With what carbon. what scientists call drawdown, right? We need to right, draw right, the yes, exactly. greenhouse gases out of the atmosphere. Yep, and, and I think that's where a good spot to kind of leave it on without us uh, getting up on our soapboxes for another half an hour is, like like you were just saying, a lot of people don't care, maybe not by choice. Maybe they just are not aware. Right. And, and that's where, coming back to that one quote I mentioned earlier from the one YouTuber that I, that I was uh, watching, her zero waste videos, is... Each of us can be an ambassador for, for change, and we don't have to get up on a soapbox. It's just reaching one person, right? So it's it's doing what you can. Right. So I'll say it again. You can't do all the good that the world needs, but the world needs all the good that you can do. And, th- and I think that's where I want to leave it. Uh, this episode is people out there. Well, you don't... There's, the, there's the Teddy Roosevelt, do what you can with what you have where you are. Ah, that's a good you know one, I mean? too. Ah, good yep. one. I thought I was the one bringing quotes. All right. It's in the family. We're fire. Well said. Well said. Uh, So, yeah, I think that's where I want to leave it. You know, get out there, do what you can, and try and help other people see the facts that are are right in front of them, but maybe they don't have the time uh, to see themselves or have HBO. But do something. Get out there. Do a little bit. Every little bit counts. It truly does. When you sum it up, a lot of – Little people, little meaning everyday citizens, regular people doing stuff, anything small adds up over time. And I think we can really help the world out and make it a better place. So that's all I've got for you in terms of questions. I want to thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. No problem. Hopefully we can, hopefully we can reach, uh, reach some people. Yeah, I hope but. so. I, I will keep my fingers crossed. I know you will as well. And uh, yeah, thanks again. This was awesome. Good talk. Thanks for getting booked last minute. And, no uh, problem. And we'll do it again sometime. Sound good? Sounds great to me. As always, if you have any feedback on the episode or topics for future episodes, shoot a note to splicepodcast at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at That's So Jank. If you want to make sure that I'm not full of crap and just making things up as I go along, I'll be posting the links for the articles referenced in this episode on Facebook and Twitter. See you in the next episode. <laughs>